Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you want experience during your football season? Well, buckle up, sweet cheeks. That's all we need. We've got all the experience in the world. This is I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. Mike and Dan break down everything you need to set your lineups. From position rankings to starts and sits, the guys help you make those hard decisions. And now, let's get your flex on. Here's Dan Beyer and Mike Harmon. And then there were two. It is I Want Your Flex. Get Mike at Swollen Dome. You can find me at Dan Byer on Fox. And our executive producer is Ryan Bershinger. He's hanging out as well. Find him at Ryan Bershinger. So it's the Chiefs and the Niners, guys, in Super Bowl 58. Their paths to get there quite different considering what we saw on Sunday from Kansas City, uh, jumping out to their lead and then holding on against Baltimore. But we start in the NFC, and Mike, we start with you. The 49ers rally from that 24-7 deficit uh, to the Lions, ended up taking them about a quarter or so yeah. <laughs> to pull even and then and then pull ahead. Let's start it with that NFC matchup and how San Francisco gets to the championship game. Is it all Dan Campbell? Where do you stand and how the Lions failed and the Niners moved on. I, I can't put a lot of blame on I don't put as nearly as much blame on Campbell as everybody else. Smith and I argued about it all night. I know we've had other folks on the Fox Sports Radio Network calling for him to be fired as a preemptive strike. I mean, hot take nonsense yeah. reigns supreme. But, you know, in the end, he, true to who he was, everybody that's citing the hey, he kicked the field goal before on a fourth down, there were 10 seconds left in the first half. Yeah. That's not a normal down distance. Yeah. What yeah. what happens yeah. from here go, going forward? So yes. using that as an example of him going against his normal self is asinine to me in a million ways. 
I think I got Smith mad at me and to where he told me to shut up at one point, which was great. <laughs> but then you get to the second half. Like, they called the perfect play on that fourth down play, mm-hmm. right? They give up a field goal, fine, a little bit of whatever, anxiousness, momentum, whatever. But you call a perfect play, and it hits Reynolds. Is it 100% a perfect pass from golf? No, it's not. But you're a professional damn receiver. Catch the ball. That's a first down. That's either another four minutes off the clock or perhaps another explosive play that gets you to the end zone. All of that uh, rendered moot. But now Dan Campbell's the bad guy because that guy can't catch a football? And then the defense gives up a touchdown on the ensuing drive. That's his fault on a 51-yard ball that should have been picked off. Instead, it bounces up by the football gods for a 51-yard reception. I, I can't. Dan Campbell wore a lot that I don't think he should have out of this. I think Dan Campbell's wearing a lot of it on himself, like in the post-game press conference, because of kind of what you're saying, Mike. I think the Jameer Gibbs fumble was. That's the Absolutely. that's the roof, you know, falling in on a house fire. Like yeah. that's like, oh, okay, this is not going to be salvageable. This is going to be very, very difficult to try to rebound from. That was the toughest one of them all. Not that there there weren't other tough ones, but I thought, wow, that one. I mean, even even on that Ayuk, there was going to be a flag on the play. Maybe they're not as close to the goal line, but but still. And you're right about Reynolds, hundred percent. If it hits you in the hands like it did, and he had two actually occasions to try to op- yes. opportunities <laughs> to try to catch it, and could it bring it in? And you're still up by fourteen at that point. And yeah, I I I agree on the time thing. That's the other thing is you take another three minutes off, and whether you kick the field goal then or end up scoring that touchdown, now San Francisco has about. 17 minutes or so to try to come back from that three score deficit. So they have to play absolutely perfect football. And and the conundrum that, that, that I find myself in is Mike, I thought they should have gone for it in the third quarter. And then with the opportunity to tie it at 27, 24, I, I thought they should have kicked it at that point. Like I'm not, I'm not a, you know, Dan Campbell is all in. We're going to go, you know, for it all the way. I was 50, 50 on that. And you're a hundred percent right about the end of the first half. The 49ers were not going to be pinned deep. That's the reason that you, one of the main reasons as well, that you go for it instead of maybe kicking a field goal is you want to back a team up inside the 10 yard line, inside the five yard line. But the, the, the two that they had in the second half, I would have gone for the first one, which they didn't get. I would have kicked the second one. Yeah. I was confused a little on the second one. But again, it goes back to, all right, Michael Badgley's your kicker. And this is where we start getting into the, yeah, if you don't trust him, you shouldn't have him on the roster, whatever. 47 is not a gimme for most kickers. And certainly when you look at Badgley and some of the others that would have been in this spot, I, do I necessarily think he's hammering at home? But it's also, and I'm with you, I'm like 50-50 on a coin, like as he ran it out. Like even the, the first time when they ran the ball with St. Brown, mm. like Greg Olson in the booth just said, well, they obviously are going for it. And as like, you know, Burkhart's trying to sell the drama of it. And also, like, well, they called that play, so they're going for it. So just wait. <laughs> and then they, they run the play. But the second time, yeah, 50-50. Like, all right, but it's a long field goal. So maybe he's still in the... All right, I got to play. And, you know, old Wonder Boy over here, our OC who's interviewing with everybody, he's going to have a play that's going to get us right. And then timing disrupted, et cetera. I mean, St. Brown was open. Ball just mm-hmm. never got anywhere near him, right? So it, it's one of those. But you still had, again, seven minutes, seven minutes on the clock. And it's all right, defense, go make a play. 
and maybe by that point, momentum, confidence, and everything had been shaken. So, you know, it was inevitable that they would drive down for a touchdown, as so many have argued. I, I, I can't think about it that way. You, you were so great in the first half. The to one touchdown uh, off the Iuke play that, you know, finishes off. I mean, that's fluky. I mean, you make plays or you don't. But, you know, that, that one, I, I could have gone either way. But, again, you, you still got to play four quarters of football. <laughs> I think the worst call, actually, was it was not the fourth downs. I, I think it was the third and goal. The final minute. Yeah. yeah. yeah 100%. Uh, trying to run it up the gut on third and goal, forcing them to burn their first time out. That cost them 40 seconds on the Niners, you know, when the Niners got mm-hmm. the ball back there. Uh, if they throw it, it's an incompletion. They, they ice the clock. They keep that time out, and they conceive have like 45 seconds and, and get the ball back at the very end so i i thought that was yeah. really the most egregious error but overall i i agree with, completely with Harmon. i think ultimately it comes down to execution and the fact that josh reynolds drops that fourth down pass and and uh, if he catches that as he should then we're, i don't think we're having as much of this conversation but uh uh really tough to watch but he, you know. here's also why that that third down run was so bad because they had to use the timeout was they didn't need the touchdown. Yeah. That you could have kicked a field goal in that scenario where you're then within seven Mm -hmm. and you still need the onside kick or you need that stop. Now, granted, on the next drive, you need the touchdown, but it wasn't end-all, be-all in like we have to get into the end zone. You prefer it in that situation. But if you would have, you know, just ended up standing, you know, or staying pat on where you were, you still could have ended up kicking that field goal and having, you know, all of your timeouts if it was an incomplete situation. Like that would have been that would have been fine and and maybe maybe in the end then we're saying, well, why are you kicking the field goal from, you know, fourth and goal at the, you know, the three yard line? But even in that scenario, a field goal doesn't kill you. I know it's not ideal because you are so close, but Worst case scenario, or you know, or whatever, you you at least got to get some points on the board, and you got to keep time on the clock, and that didn't. Well, happen. that's just it. You're managing to both of those things. You know, we we've talked, I think, it, ad nauseum for the uh, the Lions side of it. You know, credit to the 49ers. We we played the George Kittle uh, video of him going up and down the sideline. All right, stay loose. You know, going to Purdy and everything. It's like yeah, I can't wait to say I told you so. You know, after the game and all. And, and then they came and and when the Lions laid it down, they went and picked it up in every spot. They took advantage of every error, every miscalculation, every uh, piece of lack of execution. Some of the game planning. Right, you go away from the run game in long stretches, which makes no sense. Not as bad as Baltimore, but we'll chronicle that in a minute. But it's the you know the the idea that you you got away from yourself going into the second half, and you know for Brock Purdy, was he perfect? No. But again, you don't have to be. You, you make a couple of plays, a couple of the again the football gods have a couple go your way. Make a couple of big scrambles, including one where Branch looked like he tried to go take out his leg with a WWE like stomp after mm-hmm. he slid down. But all of that to say, you know, between Ayuk and 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 Purdy and and McCaffrey, I mean, they went and took it. Right, mm-hmm. you left the money on the table, and they just said thanks for the tip. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we didn't talk about them failing to down the punt at the. No, that's right too. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. I had that in my notes. Yeah. I've got. I, I was taking notes play by play, and I had all these things circled, and that one had like four exclamation points next to yeah. it. Yeah. 
like that that is that is atrocious and that's where that's where to me it it you know it comes to the point of when we talk about this kicking of the field goal and it's all on Dan Campbell I think Dan Campbell is going to take again a lot of the heat because we're not talking about Gibbs's fumble or the special teams crew messing up what they're going to do the end of the game situation heck this is the second week where they've completely botched it like this is Nathaniel Hackett level time management that that we've seen now for the you know against the Buccaneers it was no harm because Todd Bowles didn't want to call a timeout but how do you botch a kneel down and then you know now in the mm-hmm. now in this situation uh, you know, if Ben Johnson is going to be the Washington Commanders head coach or the Seattle Seahawks head coach that would be the first question I'd be asking him in that interview process is how the heck is this happening two weeks in a row can you at least take me through this? Because that stuff is epic proportional fail on, on Detroit in those scenarios. And so when it comes down to it, we're all talking about Dan Campbell and kicking field goals. We talk about metal stands here a lot. Yeah, I wouldn't even make my metal stand considering the, the Gibbs fumble and, and that mismanagement. Maybe it went a bronze. Maybe, it you know, you in, in that scenario. Yeah. But but it's, uh, you know, the Gibbs fumble to me was the, the ultimate backbreaker because you're throwing your defense back against the field and muffed punt and now you don't give your chance yourself a chance you know at the end of the game yeah just an absolute mess uh you know fantasy football podcast can i give a couple fantasy takeaways that i had from this yeah game? go ahead <laughs> um, uh first off i think obviously like jameer gibbs is going to be seen as a, a probably like maybe end of first round sort of pick uh next season and i think that that is is totally viable obviously we've seen his talent come through especially in the postseason he really came on the second half of the season but i think that we have to also be aware that David Montgomery is still going to be very involved. Even in this game, uh, David Montgomery had 15 carries, Jameer Gibbs was 12. So uh, I think if you're still going to look for value out of the Lions' backfield, I think Montgomery is going to still be the play next season uh, come draft time because somebody is going to really bite at Gibbs's value. I think somebody also that people are going to bite at for recency uh, bias and value <laughs> from this game is Jamison Williams. Yeah, exciting one, isn't it? <laughs> you're going to think about the fact that he had the huge uh, uh, end around for the touchdown and he caught a touchdown and you're like oh my goodness but he also still like despite that he really he had three targets so it's not like he was and one of them went through his hands that he awkwardly could and there's another play that he could have had so yeah I think that uh, uh, there's the hype for Jamison Williams will probably build going into next season I think uh, we'll kind of have to to pump the brakes on that a little bit I, I, I mean sure he's probably going to be more involved next season and Josh Reynolds will be less involved but uh, Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown are still going to uh, uh, pile up on the targets in that offense so uh, th- those are those were my takeaways I think on the Lions side that I found to be really interesting fantasy wise. I know we're going to dive into some stuff in the future uh, on future episodes of the upcoming 2024 fantasy football season. If and when Ben Johnson leaves, we think that's going to happen. I think that's also going to play a, a part in this. Uh, when, as you're as you're mm-hmm. looking at some of these players, somebody is bound to take a dip, and you just wonder who it is. Um, curious to, just to see how that plays out in Detroit. But 
in in all reality, it's going to be tough to guess come draft time on who's really going to be affected. Heck, it may be Jared Goff and everybody else is screwed. How about that? So, <laughs> could could be could be that scenario. Uh, and the Forty ers are just well the uh, the 49ers. I mean, you know, if it's, yeah, George if Kittle's it's not, a little bit older. Maybe he slides back a little off health mm-hmm. concerns and such. Um, certainly a good hype man, but yeah. otherwise the the song remains the same. Maybe there's a little more love for Ayuk. It is it is amazing to me on how much Christian McCaffrey has hurt Debo Samuel's uh, fantasy value. Mm-hmm. It's been a two you know now a two year thing, but when we think of Debo and when he was healthy, of just I mean how much of a points machine and there now there are certain times where you're like okay still viable but not in terms of what he was three years ago. Well, Christian McCaffrey is just it's. Yeah. It's nonstop. (laughs) Yeah, I think the variability off Debo is just maddening, right? You know, because when we look at it overall, right, you're still talking about touchdowns. He still finished as WR15 in PPR leagues. But you go down through the road, uh, 11.3, 22.1, 25.1, 11.5, 1.1, misses two games, bye week, comes back. uh, And then you have a number of just big blowout scenarios where he has a, a three-week stretch 22.4 35.834 that you know it ends up averaging you know uh, with, with a huge average and gets him into that 15th slot but we're not playing you know best ball season totals yeah right week to week it's all right is a is he healthy b how do you see the game playing out and this is where you start simulating it in your mind or on madden or whatever you're using to, to get to that point. Ayuk is just the more consistent option, I think. Like, Devo is such a – from the numbers that you raised out, maybe that's just in my mind, but it just seems like that's just more consistent. I was in a playoff pool, or am in a playoff pool, you know, and a couple of people t- took Debo Samuel, and you, you can only pick one player from one team. Just the point being of Christian McCaffrey's just automatic with his touchdowns. Doug, Doug – Gottlieb even said on the show Monday, McCaffrey only had 90 yards. And it's like, yeah, like, I mean, only is, is you know. <laughs> it's kind of funny, I, right? Yeah, yeah. But but still, you know, he had 42 yards receiving right. as well. But, yeah. that's, uh, that McCaffrey, 27 points in a PPR league, and that's with Elijah Mitchell scoring a touchdown in this game. So. Yeah, when he had to come <laughs> out true. after that weird uh, kind of roll through, uh, <laughs> called out for a play, and Elijah Mitchell gets in. Uh, interestingly, just to, to punctuate that Ayuka-Debo split, for fantasy purposes, season long, Ayuk uh, bested Debo by five point five points. <laughs> oh wow! You know what I mean? Like, but that's yeah. but that's the thing, right? Week to week, you know, you you have I, I think more consistency in looking at the the game log. Uh, that's certainly the case. Only two or three real blow up scenarios for Ayuk. Little little more steady to where you were at the double digits most weeks. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I like about it. You know, I'd rather just have the consistent production and and go from there all right there's your look at the nfc championship game lions heading home niners heading off to vegas where they will face the kansas city chiefs we may not have as much to talk about from the afc championship game but boy there is some chatter we'll talk about it next here on i want your flex if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Super Bowl for the 15th time in 13 years. Uh, that's what it seems like. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, they, they are there again, fourth time in five years. And obviously taking out the San Francisco 49ers, who we talked a lot about in the previous segment. But this AFC championship game, uh, the opposite of what we saw with San Francisco, still a competitive game, kind of. But it seemed like, in my mind, that the Chiefs were in control throughout. And once they had that 10-point lead, just wanted to keep the Ravens at bay. And just a tough, tough day for Lamar and company in Baltimore. Just grinding it out. You know, the last thing I want to want to say at the NFC, thank you, 49ers, to help me out these next two weeks. 
That's all I can say. Why's uh, that? Well, you know, with Jason Smith and and having oh yeah, that's the, uh, right. Take the Lions to the Super Bowl. I got to smash a lot of that talk, <laughs> and I don't have to deal with that anymore. Uh, you can find the podcast of the four hours of us screaming at each other, which was quite in- insane. As I. Uh, I'll tell you a good Super Bowl pick story before we end this podcast, okay? Okay. All right, so just we'll mark that down. Mark, so that, mark that, and we'll remind Dan a little bit later on. But, yeah, this one was interesting, right? It gets right off the jump. It's 14-7. It's like, all right, we got ourselves a shootout. This is going to be crazy. And then that was it. Wheels went off, and we started watching paint dry on the wall. Uh, and you had, you know, the inane offensive game plan from Todd Munkin as if they were down four touchdowns abandoning the run. Yeah. I mean, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill combined for six carries, 23 yards. All right. Yeah, and, and Justice Hill had the first carry of the game. Yeah. So after 1455, <laughs> it, it was five carries Incredible. from that duo. Patrick Mahomes had uh, nearly as many carries officially as Lamar Jackson did. Uh, he had six. Lamar had eight for 54, including the long scamper of 21. Uh, you had the inane, you know, flowers dive towards the end. Great play by Sneed, but, you know, go down. Set the ball up at the one-yard line. Mm. It's all good. Get the touchdown. You know, you, at this point, this is the first noise you guys are making offensively Go since the uh, first quarter. I get I, it. I think that's why he dove. I think because he felt no one else was making any other plays. I think that's like what, like, like it's desperation mode in his mind when it wasn't. Yeah. It was not at that point. That is just, it's a, I think it's such a typical rookie mistake to think like you got to, you know, do it all. You know, he had the taunting penalty, yeah. on the, you know, on the, the same drive, but ended up making up for it. But I think that that's where Zay Flowers was mistaken, that that he was going to have to be the one considering they weren't running the ball and nobody else was doing anything. Yeah, maybe uh, Munkin would have called the run at the one, either, you know, a little naked bootleg or a uh, little option play or, or maybe Gus Edwards would have heard his name called. I don't know. But all, all of that to say four sacks, the strip sack fumble. And Lamar throwing the ball to Isaiah Likely in between. How many guys were there? Three? Four? Yeah, it was not likely to be. <laughs> no. I mean, and I know he threw up his hand going, hey, I got it. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You're not threading the needle there. So, you know, just painful to watch on that side. But, you know, for the Chiefs, while it wasn't pretty, you know, in, in the yard per play or any of those metrics, it's move the chains, survive another down, right? Mahomes, a lot of those passes were, what, three yards, mm-hmm. four yards? And for whatever reason, Travis Kelsey keeps finding uh, spaces like no other. Or I guess it goes back to what we used to see with Gronkowski. It's like, how's nobody on this guy? He's the only – he's the apple of his eye. Like, he's the only guy he's looking <laughs> yeah. at here time and time again. And, and just – you know that to say Kelsey also made a couple of just ridiculous catches mm-hmm. right the touchdown grab you know with Hamilton on him great throw great catch everything had to work right there another one down the middle where he had a, a big diving catch so he laid it all out and he you know he's just a different animal uh in the playoffs like there, there's just no question with all of those records he's passing Jerry Rice and all these guys but for Mahomes didn't need to be spectacular they just need to be good enough. And that defense that carried them all year took care of business once again. You know, just for the Ravens side of it, like the, the road back is difficult. But watching this game, like everything and every question everybody had had and had been berated for, 
well, you, you, you kind of got to answer in the affirmative. It's like, well, you saw what we'd been talking about. It, it, it showed itself once again. It was, it was odd to me that people were taking a victory lap for the Ravens with the win against the Texans mm-hmm. because of – well, because they hadn't gone to an AFC championship game. Yeah. But like that's that wasn't the goal. No. And like this is a this is a team that you're you're playing that was not expected to to be where they were. Now granted they looked great the week before against the Browns, but rookie quarterback coming in, like that's a game that you should dominate. They didn't in my mind accomplish anything in proving people wrong or their doubters wrong. And I think that some people felt that they did, that just Lamar getting to that next step was proving everybody wrong. And then now you get to this stage and you have the game that you have. It was yeah, now you're gotta do a one eighty because again, yeah, he didn't prove it. And you know what concerns me, and I saw this on social media, this was not an original thought of mine, but I did think it was interesting. That twenty one yard run that he had on that that fourth and short, I understand that the conditions weren't ideal, but it also brings up the point that there is gonna be a point where he does slow down if he's not already. Yep. You know, and and now like Odell Beckham Jr. is like calling, like he's lifting up his arm. Like you have two bad knees. Who are you burning past on the sideline? Right. You know, like it just, it was all an absolute mess. And now when you think of, okay, if, if Lamar is maybe losing a little bit of that, that speed brings everything back to, you know, to the base. And Dan Campbell says, who knows if they're ever going to make it back there. I think it's the same thing with the Baltimore Ravens because I just, I, I'm not sure on, if you could have had a better situation, I'm sure you guys talked about it, Mike and Bursch. I know you've heard it on the network as well, but man, there just didn't seem to be a lot there for that team when it counted. Yeah, it, it felt like throughout that entire game, that pocket was collapsing around Lamar and he would he would shake off defenders like crazy, but then he would still try to throw it. And and, and you know, this is a completely subjective. I could be wrong about this, but it feels like he he would he would at least try to run more often in the past mm-hmm. when that would happen. It felt like he was actively not trying to do that and instead trying to work the passing game, um, which sometimes it worked, like a couple times it worked, but for the most part, he still ended up with only eight carries, and it, it seemed like he could have ran on half of the plays. Uh, so it, it was really it was really bizarre. And of course, we talk about the game plan. The you know Gus Edwards and Justice Hill six carries. Uh, Justice Hill had seven targets. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Um, no, that little half-ass sidearm mm-hmm. swing-out pass. A couple of times he didn't step into it at all. Yeah. So the ball falls hard. Like if, if you actually get it out to Hill, he might have been able to do something with it. Yeah. Right. If you're going to yeah. set up the flanker screen, how about you make sure the ball actually gets to the guy? <laughs> yeah. Instead of That's him diving was, back, hoping yeah. that it's not a a backwards pass and stuff. Yeah. But to to your point, Dan and 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 Jason was saying this with Mike earlier is uh, uh, it's hard to see the Ravens getting back to this point now. It, it feels like it, they this was their best opportunity and everything, uh, especially with the rest of the AFC, because a lot of teams were down in the AFC this season. Um, it 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 feels like yeah this they they missed their best shot. It was it was shocking considering I know Kansas City dominated the first forty minutes they did they had the ball for about thirty minutes the Ravens had it for about ten but still you're talking about a ten point ball game mm-hmm. the thing that you need to come back and 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 do what you did and then allow guys like Chris Jones to do what he does it's just it doesn't. 
it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, fantasy, fantasy wise, um, Mark Andrews, pretty much a non-factor. Yeah, right. You know, just the, the two catches that, that he had, there's just, there's not a lot of positivity on the, uh, the Ravens side of thing, the Ravens side of things, the Chiefs side of thing, Pacheco gets to the end zone again. Uh, that seems like a thing. Travis Kelsey playing his best football of the season. And Rasheed Rice, not a huge game, but in a game where you are very, you are trying to hold on to the football to have eight catches on nine targets tells you the value uh, that he has to that team. And I expect Rasheed Rice to have a pretty good Super Bowl 58. Yeah, I mean, look at his, his season overall. I think it kind of got dismissed a little bit. Uh, nearly 1,000 receiving yards, 79 catches, all of that stuff. Uh, we had the interesting thought piece, Bucky Brooks and I, on the uh, – Fox Football Sunday show because I'd heard him reference it with with Andy Furman as I was driving in. And I'm like, all right, so let's carry forward your hey, there's the captains. Who are you drafting out of the receiving core in your Sandlot football game? And like, I'm taking Kelsey and Rice before I'm even looking at the Ravens sideline. And I yeah. love Zay Flowers mm-hmm. a ton, but I mean Rice, I, I don't think he got nearly the love that he should have for the the season he ended up having. Mm-hmm. Should have had a touchdown in the AFC Championship game. The yeah. called back on the penalty yeah. that really didn't have much of an effect on the play whatsoever. No, still neck tackle. But, <laughs> I mean, because we saw but, a lot of craziness like that. Sure. They didn't dance with the line of the but, weekend with the, hey, I haven't seen that move since the longest yard. But on a screen, <laughs> when you're trying to let guys through or at least give them a little bit of a, you know, uh, just a little resistance, yeah. it wasn't, you know, a scenario where you're truly pass blocking you know, that was needed on that play. There you go. See, I mean, we, we could go deep dive into uh, other officiating fun. It, it wasn't as egregious uh, this year, th- this weekend. So I'm glad uh, folks have saved their vitriol for political plant, Taylor Swift, or whatever else they're doing. Uh, but the, the Ravens side, just to go back to that one last time, uh, like I actually even asked uh, Lock and Four, right? He's out there, does radio work. In, in Baltimore and writes for the Washington Post, all that stuff, long time, and he's been with us forever. I go, you know, Mike Tomlin wore it a lot there in the year. Does, does John Harbaugh get anything out there after this? Because you're in the same place that you've been, and the road is going to be that much harder. Again, all those yeah. AFC teams rising. Or, and he just responded with, yeah, I don't think Bashadi really cares. They're good enough. The money prints itself. Move on. Sure. It's like, well, that, that's just hard. That's hard for me to stomach. Like, and I watch the Bears and their ineptitude. They're at least trying to shake it up every couple of years and do something a little bit different. But like for Harbaugh, like if we're going to do this, is that good enough? Like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what that feels like. So I, I, I can't say it. But like if I'm good enough to get to the playoffs every year. And then that's the effort I get. My assistant coaches are out interviewing for other jobs, and this is what we put up in the AFC title game. I got some questions. Yeah, and they're going to have to likely find a new defensive coordinator you know, right? come next year. So, so if some of these problems still persist, then you kind of maybe know where the the problem lies. But to your point, yeah, he's 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 good to go. It would be a couple more years before. I think that they feel that a need of a change would need to be made. It is amazing to me that Aaron Glenn is interviewing for jobs after yeah. what happened to that line. <laughs> no, defense. but that's just it. He got off scot-free, too. I didn't let that happen yelling with Smith. 
Like, he wanted to do the Campbell thing. I'm like, how about the defensive guy that for a half had everything figured out, and then suddenly, because, what, you didn't get a fourth down, it's like, ah, you can go take 72 yards on us. That's fine. Sure. You can go drive another 70 yards on us. That's fine. Like, what the hell happened there? I think I think there's a lot that, that happens. You know, like the 49ers, not that, you know, Steve Wilkes has is, is been successful in the National Football League, but... You replaced D'Amico Ryans, who replaced Robert Sala. Those guys go off to head coaching gigs, and Wilkes comes in, and now you're having some questions, and now there's the Chase Young deal seems pretty awful with the bad clip that that he had yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, I just, you know, this, interesting just on how the the assistants go, and for as great as the Lions offense did look, you also, again, now for the second straight week, have some timing issues at the end, and you're not that that's going to prevent Ben Johnson from getting a job. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it was just a tougher week, I think, for for some of those assistants that were interviewing sure. jobs than than maybe on the surface. I mean, the Ravens' defense in the second half was great against Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know how much the Chiefs were really pushing things. I right. think they actually felt pretty safe in their 10-point lead and just weren't going to do anything stupid. So Grind out the see. clock and, and move on yes. in advance. So, My, uh, but, you know, before we end, I mean, you said you had a uh, Super Bowl story. Yeah, well, I was just uh, the Super Bowl prediction story. I yeah. think like we all do, we all go through scenarios and and as it ends up, I think I had about three or four matchups that I was going to pick for my Super Bowl. And then now that we have our Super Bowl, I think I would have gotten one team right. Like, 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 and, and, and that's just like how, how bad we are on this in terms of, I had a Bengals 49ers. So I did have the 49ers making the Super Bowl, which isn't, by the way, going out on a limb. And that's just as much chalk as you could have for anything else. But in just in terms of, of even of the game of the four teams that played, I think I probably would have only had one team or so. I think that maybe Kansas City was going to take a step back and I didn't think they'd be able to repeat and do what they did. So just completely awful in making Super Bowl predictions even if i had multiple decisions and i land I, I landed on the one where the team did make it my three or four other ones would have just been completely off base and wouldn't even have made it to championship weekend yeah i went completely off the grid i just said i'm taking chalk off the board because last year when everybody jumped off the chiefs post tyree kill mm-hmm. i stayed with them and said no this is this is the path so i took my victory lap not really, uh, you know, uh, a, a big wide, what was it, six to one, uh, if you'd bet it. Uh, same thing this year. It's like, all right, would I be surprised if they ran back? It might be ugly. And that's before the season played out. And then watching it midseason, I would have taken a dime on the dollar for anything I'd bet the way that offense was rolling yeah. in the middle of the year. And San Fran, I, I just took them off the grid just saying, all right, that's the presumptive they're going to be at least in the mix so let's go find another darling and I, that's how I got to my Giants Jaguars really just trying to uh, unearth some gold and both of them failed me on so many levels but they failed yeah. spectacularly yeah. guys so they gave us content for days <laughs> right so in the I, end you know like if they were just you know nine and eight eight nine it's like nah. no instead they both sucked the, the I, Giants blew up quickly and then the Jaguars they they were only rivaled by the Eagles as to how quickly they descended into hell I think I told the story. I think I like the Giants were going to be one of my picks for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then we did the pod here and Mike you went first and you said Giants and I'm like, "Oh crap, well I can't pick the Giants now that Mike did." <laughs> so then I, so then I pivot, pivot. Yeah. And, 
<laughs> and went and went elsewhere. So, oh man. Well, no. I saved you from looking like an idiot like me, Dan. <laughs> Listen, if we want to talk about failing spectacularly with our preseason picks, uh, I mine also did that, but in very different ways. My my preseason pick, according to the chart that we have in the studio, um, it was a, a Chargers Cowboys Super Bowl, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is the Chargers nice. just completely failed, and then the Cowboys got to the playoffs and then completely failed. Uh, I had Justin Herbert winning the MVP, uh, but my out on a limb, I think I, I I get credit because my out on a limb was um, Jordan Love good, Packers win 10 games, and they technically did win exactly 10 games because they won their playoff games. So, oh, technicality. <laughs> hey, man, take every victory lap you can. Right. We're going to throw preseason affairs into this now, you know, Burst? I mean, well, he would have been in uniform for one of them. No. <laughs> I will say I was down to for the NFC South, my pick was Falcons win the NFC South. But I didn't know if I was going to pick the Falcons or Panthers. Good thing I picked the Falcons, even if they didn't win, because you couldn't have been more wrong in picking Carolina. <laughs> oh, man. We're looking for better things in 2024, right. team-wise. All right. So that's going to do it for the pod. Uh, hit Ryan Bershinger up at Ryan Bershinger. You can find Mike at Swollen Dome. And hit me up at Dan Byer on Fox. Next week, we're going to have some fun. We're going to look ahead to the 2024 offseason and also give you our thoughts on how Super Bowl 58 is going to play out in Las Vegas. And then in a couple of weeks, we will do our top 60, our draft to preview the 2024 fantasy season. You know, we're going to do a draft, uh, 60 picks, who you like. And uh, not really who you don't like because we won't be picking players we don't like, but we'll get you set for uh, next season that way. So for Mike Carmen and Ryan Bershinger, I'm Dan Beyer. We'll talk to you next week right here on I Want Your Flex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.